turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Biden and Zelensky meet at the NATO summit. Putin wanted to be able to roll in not only to Ukraine, but announced that he wanted to be able to go into Poland as well. Jim Jordan questions FBI Director Chris Wray about the FBI targeting Americans. People would say, and something's got to be done about this, two tiers of justice. A suburb of Chicago has begun handing out reparations payments. It violates the Equal Protection Clause, it's unconstitutional, and it's racist. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, July 13th. I'm Mike Scott. During his trip to Lithuania to attend the annual NATO summit, President Biden caused a bit of a stir due to skipping dinner with NATO leaders and instead heading to bed. White House officials blame the 80-year-old president's busy schedule over four days. However, the presidential rain check has some wondering again if President Biden's age may impact his ability to keep up with the task of being president of the United States. Despite mounting concerns about his health and age, he was confident about his chances in 2024. Biden would be 86 by the end of his second term. This all comes as NATO members offered the prospect of long-term protection to Ukraine one day after Volodymyr Zelensky decried as absurd a refusal to offer an invitation or timetable for Ukraine to enter NATO. President Biden was also able to hold side meetings with President Zelensky during the summit, and the Ukrainian president once again thanked the American people for helping his country push back the Russians. Republican Senator James Langford of Oklahoma joins the Salem Radio Network and says that at this point, Biden's gaffes abroad are the new normal. I, I think what does everyone in the country think of this at this point? Every time the president travels overseas, everyone takes a deep breath thinking, what's he going to say? What's he going to do? What's this going to look like on the world stage? So I understand everyone gets this. I mean, th- this at, at this point, President Biden doing something awkward with a foreign official or avoiding schedule or saying something weird uh, is a kind of a dog bites man story that is not a real news story anymore because it just has become so common. Uh, the biggest issue that we've got to have is what's going to happen with Ukraine. How is this alliance going to come together uh, to be able to make sure that we're continuing to have stable uh, relationships across the entire region and everyone's pulling their fair share? That was my letter to Biden in advance is to make sure that he's reinforcing to everyone. OK, learn the lesson of what Russia is doing in aggression. Everyone needs to pony up uh, for this alliance. Langford points out that Putin's eyes are set on more than just Ukraine. 
Yeah, they would continue to be able to push back uh, for decades on it. Ukrainian people fought for their independence in 1991 from Russia. They gained their independence the first time. Now they're trying to push the Russians out again at this point. So I think that'd be an ongoing, long protracted terrorist activity uh, with the Ukrainians fighting against occupying Russians on it. At the end of the day, it is better for the world if Putin is not sitting inside of Ukraine, that he is isolated as a as a rogue leader uh, in Russia. And he certainly, as we know from the beginning of the war, Putin wanted to be able to roll in not only to Ukraine, but announced that he wanted to be able to go into Poland as well, announcing that Poland used to be part of Russia as well before this war even started. So the world needs to see this and to know what Putin's real ambitions are. The Oklahoma senator believes that the Russian people need to continue to tell Vladimir Putin that their lives matter. It is it is very possible. It is not beyond where Putin is at this point. Clearly, human life doesn't matter to him. He's pulling people out of jails and throwing them to the front lines to be able to fight Ukrainians at this point. Human life matters nothing to Putin, and that's very clear. And Russian moms need to continue to be able to make their voices heard uh, in Russia to say our lives of our sons and husbands do matter. Langford is throwing cold water on the idea that some of his colleagues will hold up additional military funding for Ukraine. I doubt it, uh, because there's such strong support in so many ways to say we don't want to have American soldiers there, uh, but we do want to definitely stand with the Ukrainians as they push back against the Russians. So that involves full funding. Listen, I, I'm, I'm one of those many people that says I don't want to spend money there, but I also don't want Russia to be able to win. And so to be able to block Russia from winning, we've got to be able to step in and do this. Lots of other countries have done this. It is very frustrating to me to hear the number of people in my own party say the Europeans are doing nothing when they're housing millions of Ukrainian refugees right now. They're doing all kinds of support financially. They're stepping up militarily to be able to share military equipment uh, with the Ukrainians as well. The British have been way in on this battle uh, to be able to help the Ukrainians. So there's a lot of nations that are helping Ukraine to be able to protect itself. We need to be in the middle of that as well, because it's important that the United States continues to be able to help people stand for freedom. That's who we are. We help other nations stand for freedom. Uh, We ignore the Ukrainians as they stand for freedom. Who are we anymore? Ukraine has been pushing for rapid membership while fighting a Russian invasion unleashed in February of 2022 that has killed tens of thousands of people and displaced millions. However, NATO allies have launched a framework for bilateral negotiations to provide military and financial support, intelligence sharing, and a promise of immediate steps should Russia attack again. Microsoft says a China-based hacking group has broken into email accounts linked to government agencies in Western Europe this week. Daybreak Insider's Charles de la Desma has more on this developing story. The company said in a blog post published on Tuesday that the group, which it identifies as Storm-0558, engages in illegal acts such as espionage and data theft. The group gained access, it says, to email accounts affecting about 25 organisations, including government agencies, and to accounts of individuals linked to these groups. The breach went undetected for about a month until customers complained to Microsoft about abnormal mail activity. The hackers used forged authentication tokens required to access the email accounts to break in. Microsoft has since dealt with the attack, it says, and informed customers who were affected. I'm Charles Duladesma. On Wednesday.
Wednesday, FBI Director Christopher Wray went before the House Judiciary Committee, kicking off a series of heated exchanges as Republicans grilled him on allegations the federal agency has been politicized and is attacking conservatives and other Americans. FBI Director Christopher Wray in the hot seat today, taking questions from Republicans and Democrats, but mostly fielding accusations from Republicans that the FBI has been weaponized and politicized. Sounds like a shakedown, doesn't it, Director? I'm not going to get into commenting on that. Here are some of the top accusations that Republicans have been making. One is they say that uh, the FBI has been working with social media companies to censor conservative speech. They also say the FBI unfairly and biasly went after former President Trump both in 2016 and recently with this classified documents case. And they allege the FBI was not going as aggressively as it should have been against Hunter Biden and the cases and allegations made against him. Now, Democrats say this hearing itself is politicized. They largely defended the FBI and saying that this is a way that Republicans are using to try to get in the good graces of former President Trump and help Trump along his campaign in 2024. During a House Judiciary Committee hearing, Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson told FBI Director Ray that the Bureau has a big problem. Director Ray, this is no time to mince words. The American people have lost faith in the FBI. All of our constituents are demanding that we get this situation under control, and we have to do that. That's our responsibility. This is not a political party issue, sir. This is about whether the very system of justice in our country can be trusted anymore. FBI Director Ray says the Bureau helps protect against a staggering array of threats facing Americans. The work the men and women of the FBI do to protect the American people goes way beyond the one or two investigations that seem to capture all the headlines. Committee Chair Jim Jordan says the FBI and the Justice Department have weaponized the legal system simply to target conservatives. American speech is censored. Parents are called terrorists. Catholics are called radicals. And I haven't even talked about the spying that took place of a presidential campaign or the raiding of a former president's home. Florida Congressman Matt Gates asked Ray about how the FBI has treated the Biden family. Are you protecting the Bidens? Absolutely not. The FBI well, does you won't not answer the question. No Hold interest on. You won't answer the question. Any- Gates was very heated with Ray when he brought up polling that shows many Americans have lost faith in the FBI. People trusted the FBI more when J. Edgar Hoover was running the place than when you are. Respectfully, Congressman, in your home state of Florida, the number of people applying to come work for us and devote their lives working for us is over up over 100%. We're deeply proud of them, and they deserve better than you. The Republican Chairman Jim Jordan of Ohio also focused particularly on leaked FBI memos drafted by an unidentified agent targeting so-called radical, traditionalist, Catholic ideology as a hotbed of potentially violent extremism. Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee joined the Salem Radio Network and says that she believes the U.S. does have a two-tiered system of justice. The fact that the Bidens are not being held to account It came up over and over and over. And just in nearly every question, uh, people would say, and something's got to be done about this two tiers of justice. 
And why is it that we can't find out? Why are they not held to account? Why is it that over and over they can um, violate uh, firearms law? They can violate IRS law. They can violate uh, the foreign lobbying laws. And nothing happened. Blackburn goes on to explain how at the last town hall meeting she attended with her constituents, many of them simply want the law to be applied equally. And I find it so interesting that that two tiers of justice, people want equal treatment, equal access, equal justice. And they they are looking at this and they what's it the Durham report and they're saying Nobody's doing anything to Hillary Clinton, and you've got John Durham who says she made the whole thing up. And then she found somebody that her campaign could pay to go put together the dossier to uh, hire Fusion GPS to market the dossier to get the media working with them. It was all Hillary. She and her campaign, and nothing has happened to her. And people are going, wait a minute. If I pay my taxes two weeks late, I get fined. And why doesn't something happen to them? If I do something wrong, I get to, I have to be held to account. But nothing happens to them. And it is just something that people, and fortunately, they respect the rule of law. They want the rule of law to be abided by, and they want everyone to be held to account. The Tennessee senator believes that the conduct of the FBI and the DOJ are unacceptable. I can assure you that the next time we have Christopher Ray and Merrick Garland, anyone from DOJ, these are issues that are going to come up. Because, yes, indeed, there are good people that are at DOJ and the FBI. And this political cabal that has risen up, in the FBI, in the DOJ, the fact that people who are sworn to protect and enforce the law are the ones who are breaking the law, this is something that is completely unacceptable. These people, their paycheck comes from the U.S. taxpayer, hardworking taxpayers who are working every single day, every single day to pay their taxes and abide by the law, and they find this conduct to be outrageous. In January, a former FBI agent published a memo created by the agency called Interest of Racially or Ethnically Motivated Violent Extremists in Radical Traditionalist Catholic Ideology, almost certainly presenting new mitigation opportunities. The document relied on the Southern Poverty Law Center a progressive advocacy group as a key resource in their assessment. There's more third-party speculation swirling around West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin. We get more on this from our Daybreak political insider, Bob Agnew. 
Speculation continues about Manchin's possible run for the White House after it was announced he'll take part in next week's New Hampshire Town Hall sponsored by No Labels. It's a group advocating for a third-party candidate. In a statement, Manchin says, quote, It is clear that most Americans are exceedingly frustrated by the growing divide in our political parties and toxic political rhetoric from our elected leaders. Democrats are raising concerns a third-party candidate would mostly draw voters away from President Biden and give an advantage to former President Trump the most likely GOP nominee. Bob Agner reporting. One suburb in Chicago has become the first city in the country to start paying out reparations to its black residents. In 2019, the city of Evanston first approved the $10 million package and has already paid 16 locals. A Chicago suburb is moving forward with a promise to pay reparations to its African-American residents for facing years of discrimination. Clearly, this is a very controversial uh, issue. Evanston, Illinois, set aside $10 million over the next 10 years for the reparations fund. Uh, There are a lot of critics who say this is just a government handout. Supporters say it's one step in the fight to address a history of wrong. They want to be a model for the rest of the country. By the end of the year, the Reparations Committee expects to have paid out $25,000 to each of 140 qualifying residents in the city of about $75,000. $10 over the next 10 years is the promise the Evanston, Illinois City Council made to its black residents back in 2019. Evanston is the only municipality nationwide that is using a reparations fund to pay black residents who were discriminated against and faced a lack of access to housing. To qualify, individuals must have lived in the city between 1919 and 1969 and were at least 18 years old. It's a long process, but for those who were approved, they will receive $25,000. Of the 48 reparation recipients so far, some have decided to use that money for home improvements or mortgage assistance. In each of these places where reparations are being considered, questions remain among them. Who will pay for it and where will the money come from? As for the city of Evanston, they're funding their reparations program through marijuana and real estate transfer taxes. Recently, California made headlines with its own reparations task force that deemed that individual cash payments to black residents could be as high as $1.2 million. Leo Terrell is an American civil rights attorney and talk radio host, and he weighs in on the reparations debate not only for California, but for the nation. Here's the situation. They talk about institutionalized racism. Where is it? You got black mayors in this in this state. They talk about systemic racism. Where is it? Where's the where's the white boogeyman that they're talking about? They cannot prove that people of color, black folks, deserve $1.2 million. Does, does Kamala Harris need it? Does London Breed, the mayor of San Francisco? Does Karen Bass, who uh, Barbara Lee, who's a congresswoman? They can't show this. What's the real reason behind this, Pierce? I'll tell you what it is. In 2020, during the summer of riots, you had a governor named Gavin Newsom, who wants to pander to black Americans in California in order to run for president. And I will submit to you that if such a bill was even contemplated, there will be a a challenge to it because it violates equal protection clause, it's unconstitutional, and it's racist. And I would be the first, as a civil rights attorney, to challenge such a law. Meantime, not everyone in Evanston is happy with the payouts. 
Bennett Johnson is a local civil rights activist and says $25,000 simply isn't enough. However, Ramona Burton, a 74-year-old, says it's a good start and used her $25,000 to upgrade the home she's lived in since the 1970s. Three major tax preparation firms shared extraordinarily sensitive data about taxpayers with Facebook parent company Meta, according to lawmakers. Daybreak Insider's Julie Walker fills us in on what we need to know about this developing story. The report by a group of congressional Democrats urges federal agencies to investigate and potentially go to court over the wealth of information that H&R Block, Tax Act, and Tax Slayer shared with the social media giant over at least two years. The tax firms installed Meta's pixel code to get information to improve their own marketing campaigns. Meta was able to access the data to write targeted algorithms for its own users. The tax prep companies say they take privacy seriously. Meta says its system is designed to filter out potentially sensitive data it's able to detect. I'm Julie Walker. The Webb Space Telescope is marking one year of cosmic photography with one of its best yet. We get more on this from our sky watcher, Daybreak Insider John Scott. NASA has unveiled the latest snapshot, revealing the dramatic close-up of 50 young stars at the moment of birth. This star-forming region is 390 light-years away. The cloud complex is relatively small and quiet, yet full of illuminated gases, jets of hydrogen, and even dense cocoons of dust with the delicate beginnings of even more stars. The young stars appear to be no bigger than our sun. Scientists say the breathtaking shot provides the best clarity yet of this brief phase of a star's life. John Scott report. And finally, talk about your dynamite discovery. Scientists in Maryland's Dinosaur Park have unearthed a rare trove of dinosaur bones that they say date back 115 million years. The discovery is said to be the first bone bed found in the state since 1887. On a day so sweltering it felt almost Cretaceous, scientists announced a discovery that has them sizzling with excitement. I have a a sneaking suspicion that the flow is kind of going behind me. Here, where an ancient river once flowed. So if we want to find more bones, we're going to have to go this direction here and well up into this hill here. Researchers from the Maryland National Capital Parks have discovered what was likely once a giant log jam where the bones of scores of dinosaurs piled up about 115 million years ago. They call it a bone bed. This may have been accumulated over a season, but probably no longer than that. Entombed here in a layer of ironstone, the shin bone of a 38-foot carnivore, most likely an acrocanthosaurus. A meteor almost as big as Tyrannosaurus. Sharp-toothed theropods, clawed, long-necked astrodons. A vertebra found just this week. And it's just literally been bone after bone after bone. This is the biggest find in this part of the country in almost 150 years elevating the old dinosaur park to another level. This site is the best dinosaur site east of the Mississippi. One of the more amazing finds includes the largest 
theropod fossil ever found in eastern North America. Since 2018, more than a dozen dinosaur fossils have been found at the park, including the remains of an early relative of T. rex and the second oldest stingray fossil found on Earth. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. 